morning, everyone. Lovely to see you um, this morning at the end of summer. Is it gone? No, it's coming back. It's been a nice warm week. Um, let me just take you back for some of you, were, many of you were with us last Sunday for Vision Sunday. Um, if you missed um, our Vision Sunday last week, just jump onto the website. I'd encourage you, if you're part of our church community, to do that. Um, one of the things that I spoke about was permacrisis. It's the word of the year in 2022, that sort of bewildering sense of wandering from one crisis into the next, sort of wondering what is around the corner. And we spoke about uh, three big cultural narratives right now. The narratives of secularism, expressive individualism, and postmodernism, and just the effect that they're having in culture right now on the kind of heightened sense of anxiety that many people are experiencing. For those who are here, you remember I got the Jenga tower out. And there is that moment when you're playing Jenga where you know it's going to topple. And for many people, that's what our world feels like right now. It's just waiting for something to topple over, either personally or in the culture around us. And at the same time, we passionately believe that Jesus is speaking to us. And I shared from Ephesians chapter 6, and one of the things that shouts out to us from Ephesians chapter 6 is stand firm. Stand firm. With all that's going on around, stand firm. And so what we're doing, that was kind of like uh, the introduction to this term's teaching. We're going to be teaching through the whole book of Ephesians this term. Um, and so I would encourage you to track with us. We're going to do that over the next 10 weeks. And one of the questions that we're going to be asking, or the big question, is this. What wisdom is there to help us to stand firm? So we're going to keep asking that question. What wisdom from the Lord is there to help us to stand firm? Now, we're dovetailing the preaching series with the Stain site. Uh, what that means is, is that we're going to go through the whole book, but not necessarily in chronological order, because we're dovetailing with Stains. But we will go through the whole book. So to get most from the series, please be here every week. That will be a wonderful thing. We also have put together this Bible reading plan. Um, if you're on our mailing list, you'll have had that in your inbox last Sunday. There are also paper copies at the back. Six weeks going through the six chapters of Ephesians. And then once a week, an encouragement to take 20 minutes to read the whole book in one go out loud. Because that's the way it was designed to be read and heard. I did it yesterday. I, I, I took a walk out to get some um, groceries. I had a 20-minute walk. I read it out loud along the road as I was walking back. It took me 17 and a half minutes. So it is doable. And I would uh, encourage you towards that. So if you have a Bible, could you turn to Ephesians chapter 1? Next week, we're going to look at the first half of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. One of the things we'll see is those 12 verses are actually one sentence in the original language. And what that means is that either the Apostle Paul got on a roll or he'd just had it up to here with punctuation. <laughs> it's uh, often called a doxology. It's an expression of worship. Uh, Paul is just thankful to the blessings that we have in God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is a wonderful Trinitarian text. This morning, we're looking at the second half of 
chapter 1. So I'm going to read from verse 15. It starts, for this reason, in other words, on that backdrop of the blessings that we have, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all his people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking, so this is a prayer, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that can be invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who, may, who fills everything in every way. Amen. This is a very rich text. We could be here for months. There's a prayer for wisdom and revelation to know Jesus better. A prayer that we would know the incredible hope that God has for us. A prayer that we would know the riches that God makes available to us. And those are great prayers. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been following Jesus for five minutes through to 500 years or anywhere in between, these are great prayers to pray. If you're here today and you say, well, I'm not yet a follower of Jesus, firstly, you are so welcome. And secondly, these, I believe, are good prayers for you to pray as well. And you can pray this at any point during our time this morning. Indeed, any of us can. Because one of my prayers for you, indeed all of us, is like Paul, that we would know Jesus better that we would know his hope more in our lives. We would know the immense blessings and riches that Jesus has for us. So you can pray that at any moment as we go through this morning. You might just sort of like wander off in a prayer and say, Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to know more of your hope in my life. I, I want to I take more of hold of the blessings and riches that you have for me. And so if I see you in a daydream, I'm going to choose to believe that you're praying, that you've diverted to the Lord. These are wonderful things that Paul prays, but there is something that he wants us to really see. How many of you love a waterfall? How many? Yeah, I thought it would be more. I love a waterfall. I, lo I love that sort of, that kind of dynamic of water falling, the spray, that, that sense of some of the power that water has. But I grew up in the United Kingdom, and most of the waterfalls in this country are not that big. In the mid-1990s, Bethan and I took a trip to eastern Canada, and we visited Niagara. And as you stand on the edge, just close to that point there, you just get a sense of immense power. Immense power as like thousands of gallons of water pour over 
in a second. Just immense power. And we took that boat trip out, the Maid of the Mist, and it sort of goes up towards the, the bottom of the falls, and you just get drenched. Just immense power. Ola, thank you. So as you think about a regular waterfall, and then you go visit somewhere like Niagara, it's like Niagara says, you call that a waterfall? This is a waterfall. Shouts that out to you. And this is essentially what the Apostle Paul does in this text. Power is one of the great themes of the book of Ephesians. And Ephesus as a city was seen as a place of power. In social and civic terms, the city was powerful. It was also a center of religious power. All sorts of cults and beliefs in Ephesus, they flourished in that city. And often they focused on a type of power that we would call magic. And so what Paul does is this. He looks at the powers in the world around. The political, social, spiritual, demonic powers and effectively says this. You call that power? Let me show you power. And what he does is he points to the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. He says, you might think there's power in the world around you, but let me show you power. The resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. Let me read this, verses 19 and 20. He's praying that we would know some stuff. And he's praying that we would know his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same, gosh, I'm struggling to see up here this morning, as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Anyone here want to give an amen to wanting more of that kind of power in your life? That's good news. I'll carry on. As we think about standing firm in a world that is increasingly disorientated, deconstructing, confusing, and chaotic, what can we learn about praying for God's power? How can we take hold of more of that power in our lives? I'm going to share four things with us this morning, and then we're going to pray. The first thing is this. God's power is incomparable. God's power is incomparable. Other versions of this text translate it this way. The exceeding greatness of his power. And the word in the Greek, which we translate as exceeding greatness, is actually the same word from which we get hyperbole from. And hyperbole literally means to throw way beyond. And that is the sense that is uh, being captured here. That the, the incomparable power is way beyond any other power that we might have experienced. So think about something that you have experienced for yourself that is powerful. Maybe you've been to somewhere like Niagara Falls or, or Angel Falls or somewhere like that. Maybe uh, you, you stood next to a jumbo jet aircraft and thought, oh, that's quite strong. Maybe I, I remember being in, in Kenya when I was a late teenager. And it was one of those places where they threw chicken carcasses to crocodiles. Crocodiles are powerful. Immense power. So you think about that, 
and now have a think about the power that had to be at work to raise Jesus from the dead. And not only to raise Jesus from the dead, but to roll away a stone that was estimated at at least three tons and to cause what was recorded as a violent earthquake and then a lot of dead people were resurrected and ended up walking in Jerusalem and being seen by lots of other people. That is the kind of power that Paul is talking about here. An incomparably great power beyond anything that we will have ever experienced before. And so, a question that I think we should be asking is this. How much more power is it? How much beyond? Is it just a little bit more powerful? Is it more powerful than just a few things? What kind of incomparable power are we talking about here? And that is what Paul then goes and hammers home in this part of the Scripture. Let me read verses 21 and 22 to us. He says that this power is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that can be invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him uh, head over everything for the church. God's power is over all things. So let me share something that I've often shared at Riverside. I went and looked up what the word all meant, and guess what it means? All means all. It's a little Greek word, pass. All means all. And so here's a question for us this morning, a few questions. Is the power of Jesus greater than all of my sin? I was hoping there might be a few more people that agreed with that. <laughs> is the power of Jesus greater than all of my sin? Yes. Is the power of Jesus greater than all of my shame? Yes. Is the power of Jesus greater than all of my fear? Yes. Is the power of Jesus greater than all of my anxiety? Yes. Is the power of Jesus greater than all of my doubts? Yes. Is the power of Jesus greater than all of my brokenness? Is the power of Jesus greater than any spiritual attack that can come against my life? Yes. Is the power of Jesus greater than the devil and all of his demons? Yes. Is the power of God greater than all things? Yes. Amen. Amen. We got there. <laughs> it is greater than all things because all means all. The power of God that we see in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so much greater than anything else. And friends, that is the power we pray for. And that is the power that we're asking God to pour into our lives to enable us to stand firm. Incomparably great power. And I love what Paul says at the end of verse 21. He says, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That is the language of God's kingdom. So let me just divert to that this morning. God's power in Jesus is breaking in because God's kingdom is breaking in. 
The kingdom of God is a thread that you see running throughout the entire Scripture. It's the primary way that Jesus understood his own life, his own purpose, his ministry, the world around him. In the vineyard, the kingdom of God is our primary theological lens. It's the way that we most helpfully understand life and ministry. The kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of God. It's where he is in charge. So let me give you a quick summary of it. Often we, we might start with just a linear view of history that looks a bit like this. There is this age, there are important events, but we're looking forward to a time when Jesus returns and uh, heaven comes and we kick into the age to come. A linear view of history. The problem with this view is, if you have that view and you look at the Gospels, Jesus' teaching very rapidly becomes highly confusing because it doesn't make any sense with that view of history. Because Jesus says that the kingdom is near, it is present, it is delayed, and it is future. All at the same time. And all of those things are simultaneously true. And so the problem is, if, if you take Jesus' teaching that the kingdom is near, present, delayed, and future, that doesn't work. And so our understanding is that the kingdom is breaking in now. And so we click a now and not yet view of the kingdom. We understand that in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost, everything has changed. And the power of the future age, which we will see completed when Jesus returns, is breaking into the present. And this is so incredibly important when we think about the world around us. It fuels our compassion ministry. It fuels our understanding of healing. This, this, this helps us understand discipleship. Have you ever wondered why in life, if you're a follower of Jesus, sometimes you do the things that Jesus does, and sometimes you don't? You know, sometimes you mess up, and sometimes you get it right. Have you ever wondered why that's a bit kind of odd? Well, it, it's not odd when you have a kingdom view of your life. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a kingdom person. And a kingdom person is a now and not yet person. That means you are a walking paradox. Because what it means is some of the kingdom has broken into you, and some of it is yet to come. You're a now and not yet person. You're a walking paradox. So that, that, that for me is incredibly enlightening. When I go through life and think, like, gosh, I got that right, and I messed up there. Well, of course I did. I'm a now and not yet person. I'm a walking paradox. The now and the not yet of the kingdom. The future age is breaking into the present. So that's why we pray what Jesus taught us to pray, for God's will in heaven to be done on earth. Theologians call this inaugurated eschatology. That's the posh word. We most often in the vineyard refer to the now and the not yet of the kingdom. We're seeing in part what we will see completed when Jesus returns. Because, you know, friends, there is a day coming when every rule and power and authority will bow to Jesus Christ. There is a day coming when all things are made new again. 
That power is breaking into our world today. That same power, that incomparably great power that raised Jesus from the dead and ascended him to the right hand of the Father is breaking into our world today. And so what we will see in full, we can see in part. And here is the amazing thing. Verse 19. His incomparably great power for us who believe. For us who believe. God's power in Jesus is available for those who believe. The incomparable power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, that is over all things, and remember all means all, over all things, that is breaking into the present, is for people like you and me who put our belief and trust in Jesus Christ. And that is the power of God that helps us to stand firm. It's for you and for me. So I'm going to share three questions. I'm going to close by sharing these, and then we're going to pray. Because we're not just going to talk about God's power. We're expectant, and we know that God's power is here. Because where God is present, His power is present. And the Lord is present with us today. So I know that His power is here. And we're just going to see what He wants to do. But let me just close with three questions. The first is this. Do you believe? Do you believe? You see, Paul is quite direct, isn't he? That, that this incomparable power is available for those who believe. And so there is an invitation to come to Jesus and simply to say to him, I don't have enough. I don't have enough strength and power in my life. I do not have enough. And we simply come with humility to Jesus and say, I've, done, I've tried my best. I've looked inward for resources. I've looked around. But what I'm actually going to do now is look up. If you're familiar with the 12 steps, they talk about finding a higher power. Good news this morning. We don't have to find a higher power. We can find the highest power. And there is an invitation to believe. And so I'm just going to give an opportunity right now. Because if you're here today and you say, you know what, I have never personally given my life to Jesus. I've never personally said, I believe in Jesus. And I want to give you a moment where you can make that response. So can I just invite us to bow our heads? And this is a good response for all of us to say, I don't have enough. I need more. But if you're here today and you say, well, I've never made that decision for myself, then why don't you make this prayer your own? Jesus, thank you that you love me. Jesus, thank you that you are the highest power, that your power is incomparable. And Jesus, I'm sorry for the ways that I've looked inside of myself, that I've looked for things in the world around me, but I haven't found what I'm looking for. I haven't found enough. And so, Jesus, I admit that. But I hear your invitation to open my heart to you, to receive hope, 
to receive strength, to receive blessing, to receive your power. And so I, I choose to open my heart to say yes to you, and I pray that you would fill me with your power by the Holy Spirit. If you've prayed that just now with me for the first time, or because you're here and you're wanting to reconnect in a relationship with Jesus, could you just look up? Everyone else has got their eyes closed. Could you just look up and catch my eye? Because I would love you to know that this moment was real for you, and I'd love us just to chat at the end of the service. Wonderful. Thank you so much. For those that did just then, come, come and chat with one of us. That would be wonderful. So, everyone else, why don't you open your eyes? You're, you're going to doze off otherwise. So that's the first thing. Do we believe? Second thing, do you believe his power is for you? Amen. It's an important question because it's one thing to believe in Jesus. It's another thing to believe his power is for me today. You see, there are days when I face things and if, being honest, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I have no idea how I'm going to get through this. And you might think, Andy, you're a pastor, you should know. And I'm going to say to you, Andy, it's because I am a pastor that I face dies like that. Where I'm just thinking, I do not know how I'm going to get through. How I'm going to you know, stand firm and face things that I, you know, that just often that I and others have to face. Times when, you know, you maybe kind of like struggle to remember a belief in God's power. Do you ever have those days? Where you either like don't believe momentarily or you struggle to remember to believe. Do you remember a story when Jesus had a guy and the conversation went like this? The guy said to Jesus, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Do you have days like that? where we struggle to remember that Jesus' power is incomparable and it's over all things? I have days like that. And so it's an important question to ask ourselves. Do I believe in this moment that God's power is for me? With the things that you and I are facing in life. And there is an invitation for us this morning to reach out, to say, to just to say to Jesus in the best way that we can, look, I don't have it all together, but I'm, I'm, I'm just holding on by my fingertips to the belief that your power is enough. That your power is enough. I'm hearing something, Jesus, today, that your, your power is, is way more than anything else. That it is actually above all things. And so this thing that I am facing, I am choosing to believe that your power is bigger than it. I'm choosing. And would you, would you start in that place, just a, a stubborn don't trust your heart. Don't trust your feelings. Feelings are notoriously unreliable. Have you ever been in love as a teenager? Was that a reliable thing? Scripture is saying to us loud and clear, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is incomparably greater than all things. We can hold on to that today. And so the third question is this. Where do you need his power in your life today? In order to stand firm, where do you need his power? Where do you need his power? There's a beautiful thing at the end of these verses where Paul reminds us that the church is a beautiful place where the fullness 
of Jesus is poured out. And you see in chapter 2, where he talks about as our lives are gathered together, it's like this dwelling place is created for the powerful presence of God. It's a beautiful bit of imagery. You see, there is something powerful that happens when people like you and me get together. You can't quite put your finger on it, but it is this, this dwelling, this container is made in which God pours out his spirit. There is something wonderful that happens when we get together. And at the same time, I think about this in the week, the Bible reminds us that often we don't have because we've not asked. So my closing question is quite a simple one this morning. Where in your life do you need God's power today? And are you going to ask? Where do you need his power? And are you going to ask? Amen?